a guest with us today. I'm really glad that you decided to be here with us. A special welcome to you. My name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. We're uh, in a series called The Supernatural Life, and what we're doing all the way through 2016 is we're going through the Gospel of Matthew, the first gospel in the New Testament, and we're learning together how to follow Jesus, and we're putting into practice everything that Jesus said that anyone who follows him can do, and so we're learning that together, and we're talking about the supernatural uh, today. Uh, now, I, um, I do want to say this. Uh, we're going to be looking at this passage of Scripture that Chandra read uh, um, earlier in just a little bit. So if you have a Bible, I would invite you to open it to Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 13 is what we're going to look at. Have that open. If you have one of these old-fashioned book things, uh, I know most people don't have that. If you, if you have that, great, open it. Keep it there. If you don't have a Bible, a hard copy Bible, we actually have, there's uh, cases there up in the balcony as well. And you can take one of those. That's a gift to you. Um, but we want you to read the Bible. I don't want you to just say, well, there's a guy that stands on the stage and says stuff, and I guess it's true. We want you to know for yourself. So we want you to read the Bible for yourself. Um, and if you have a, a smartphone, you can download uh, the app that I use for the Bible on my smartphone. It's called Version, Y-O-U Version. It's the most downloaded Bible app in the world. It's been downloaded, I think, 100 million times. My, my math might be off a little bit on that. But um, you can download that. Lots of reading plans in there if you don't know where to start. I'm actually using that, and, and they have a chronological plan. I'm doing that all the way through this year. But there's lots of ways you can begin reading the Bible. So I want to encourage you to do that before we jump into this, okay? Well, let me, I want to pray for us. We're going to talk about this today, and I, I would just like to pray. I'd like to pause and ask God's uh, Spirit to, to guide us and to bring healing into our lives today, okay? Would you pray with me? Um, God, we are, we're in this room, and many of us, came into this room with uh, emotional scars and wounds that drive our lives. And if we could get some relief from that, man, things would be different. And I know some of us come in this room with physical things that we just don't understand, that we're afraid that it's going to end our life. We're afraid of what it's doing to us and how it's taking away our ability to work. And God, we need your intervention. And so I pray uh, that there would be over this place an open heaven and so that people would know that you're a God who heals. And this morning, you'd bring your healing into this place and into the, into the lives of each person sitting here. So we ask this in your name and by your power, Jesus. All God's people said, amen. Well, uh, today I want to talk to you about uh, this, this passage, but for me, I want to tell you this has been a journey for me. I told you uh, if you've been here at the beginning of the year, I'm learning with you to follow Jesus better. That's what it means to be a disciple, is someone who's just always learning how to better do what Jesus said to do, and that's a, a, a task that never ends, and so I'm learning too. And I want to tell you about something that about eight years ago was a massive shift for me in my understanding of what I could do as a follower of Jesus, and we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about you being a healer. Now, at the end of the service, if you have any physical need or emotional need um, or any other kind of need that you want someone to pray a, a prayer of healing over, you're going to have an opportunity to do that. There'll be a, a, a special time at the end to, to do that. It'll be uh, a chance for you to do that. But um, you can have someone pray for you, but one of the reasons they're praying for you is not only so that you can be healed, but so that you can realize that you can go and be a healer. Now, I don't know if you know this. The reason that a pastor, uh, like in a role that I have, stands up and preaches on a Sunday morning is not so they can hear themselves talk. I'm not doing this. My wife hears enough of me talking. She doesn't need another bit of me talking for 30 minutes on a Sunday. Uh, it's not so that uh, you can check off some religious box. Oh, I went to church today. 
It's to equip you to be a person who follows Jesus seven days of the week. So one of the things we want to equip you to do is to do everything that Jesus said that you can do. Now, we're going to talk about this idea of the supernatural. Now, I know when, you, when I talk about that, you, some of your alarm bells go off, and you're like, oh, man, he's going to start handling snakes, and oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? Not like that. Not like that at all. Uh, one of my friends calls it, when, you, when you're stepping into everything Jesus said that you can do, that you want to be naturally supernatural. You don't want to be weird. Uh, this is not about being weird and awkward and creating awkward scenarios for people. It's about simply being able to do everything that Jesus said that you can do. And so we want to help you learn to be, like I'm doing my best to learn to be naturally supernatural. Now you're, you're the people that are going to reach the other people in our community. If you've been around, you've heard us talk about the fact that we want to be a church for the 75%. What we mean by that is according to demographic studies, 75% of people in our culture really, uh, they might say that they believe in a, that a God exists. They might even say that they're a Christian. Uh, but they don't really practically have any use for God. They certainly don't have any use for the church. And we want to be a church for those people because those are the people that God cares about. And so we want to, in doing that, reach 1% of our two counties with that. Now the way we're going to do that is through you. It'll be through the relationships you develop with people, and it'll be through the way that you represent Jesus, both with the words that you speak and how you listen to people and how you encourage people and how you say the right things to people at the right time as you're trying to help them. And then it'll be with the deeds that you do, the way that you serve the poor and the way that you work for justice and the way that you care for your neighbor when they're sick and you bring them some soup. And then it'll also be because you represent Jesus and you bring the healing of Jesus to scenarios that people thought were beyond uh, possible. After the first service, a guy came up to me uh, holding his uh, infant, basically a toddler now, and he said, I I've been meaning to tell you this, he said, uh, but when we were trying to get pregnant with our, our son, uh, we went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you will never have a baby. Never. It's never going to happen. Just get, get ready for it. And he said, he said, I wanted to tell you this, but we came down, and uh, after the service, and see, after, after every service, we always have a prayer People can come down for prayer, and, and they happened to come down to me that day, and they said, we got this news. Would you pray for us? And he says, I remember. He said, I can quote the words you said. He said, you prayed and said, God, would you have something supernatural happen? And he said, and that week she got pregnant. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. how. I don't, claim nothing, right? I don't know. I just was happened to be there. I, I, but that, that does, that, I, you may say, that's a coincidence. Okay, I just find that when you pray, more coincidences happen more often. That's what I kind of find. Uh, we were talking about this this week in staff meeting, and uh, Tim McGuire, Tim's our worship pastor, and uh, if Tim is either crying later today or shouting shouts of joy, it's because they're now empty nesters yesterday. They dropped their son off at college. And so <laughs> may, may be kind to Tim. But Tim, we were talking about this in, uh, in staff meeting on, on Tuesday, and uh, Tim said, he told us this story. He said he was... Uh, this is a guy that through baseball, he was, had a relationship with this guy, was part of that 75%, didn't care about God. I mean, just no interest or use for God at all. And uh, the guy had, his, his dad was sick, and he didn't have any other options. He exhausted all the options to, for his dad to be better. His dad was laying in bed uh, sick, couldn't sit up. And he came to Tim, and he knew Tim was a, a person who followed Jesus, and he said, Tim, hey, uh, could you, I don't know, throw up a prayer for my dad? Tim said, sure, prayed for his dad didn't hear anything back. Uh, said six months later, he came up, came up to me and said, hey, I didn't, I didn't tell you this. He said, but uh, we, we even we did the math on this, but six months ago, remember when you prayed for my dad? Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, when you prayed for him, at that moment, my dad sat up. 
Now, yeah, that's cool, isn't it? Yeah. Now, what do you, now, what do, you do with that? Because like I told some similar stories last week, and, and you're, you're, if you're like me, you're the one that on that poll, you were like, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if that happened. And you struggle. And so I, I think it's very important. I'm going to take you down a, a little foxhole, and then we're going to go to the, the scripture for just a second, uh, in just a minute. But I, wanna, I want you to follow me down this foxhole, because if you're going to understand uh, supernatural healing, we need, you need a framework for understanding supernatural healing. Because here's the reality in our world, in our culture, we're taught to believe that things that have no explanation are not real. That's what we're taught. That's just kind of the air that we all breathe. So I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, you may have heard people talk about how 9-11 was an inside job. Have you watched any of those, uh, those conspiracy theory kinds of documentaries, right? Or you've seen people post, yeah, this, and they give you all these facts, and you kind of go, huh, maybe it was, I don't know. But then you basically write that off because you go, well, that was a conspiracy theory, that didn't happen. That's, we all know how it happened. Or maybe you've seen someone say this about the moon landing. Well, you know, the moon landing didn't really happen. What happened was there was a stage in Hollywood and uh, if you look really closely, you can see that was made out of cardboard and made out of foil paper, and that's no way that landed on the moon. And da, da, da. We, we, have, it's an exp- we have an explanation for how that happened, but we, we put it in the, the category of a conspiracy theory. Now, what I know, because that's how we think as a culture, is when you talk about the supernatural, it automatically, almost without trying, gets put in that box of maybe that's a, con- I mean, it'd be nice if that happened, but honestly, that's, a, that's kind of a conspiracy theory. That's just not real. Now, if you were in other cultures, uh, if you were here a couple weeks ago, we had Dr. Scott Dooley from Papua New Guinea here. If you were in Papua New Guinea and someone in your family uh, was healed by the power of God and in the name of Jesus, and everyone in your village heard about that, they would hear that the, the God, Jesus, healed your uncle, and they would all say, oh, this is a very strong God. We are all going to convert, and we're all going to follow this God now, because in that culture, it's okay. You can, you can believe those kinds of things happen. But if that happens in America to your Uncle Joe, what you say is, or you hear about it secondhand, you go, ah, oh, that's just crazy Uncle Joe. We all know he's a little nuts and unhinged, so I, I, that's just how, that's why that happened. We, we write it off, see. We have a, an explanation for everything. Um, so here, if you're going to have a framework for understanding uh, uh, supernatural healing, you need two things. Um, you need to understand uh, an explanation for why bad things happen, and then the other one I'll talk about in a second. Now, what do I mean by that? An explanation for why bad things happen. You, we can agree on, I'm going to give you two statements. I know you agree, religious or not, okay? First statement, everyone dies. Do you agree with this, right? Some people apparently don't. Okay, all right. So, as, as last I heard, the mortality rate is hovering right at 100%, right? Everybody dies, right? Uh, I think you can agree with this statement. Everyone gets hurt or sick at some point in their life. Do you, do you agree with this, right? Okay, again, some people are not like, not me. Um, that's why we all hate insurance, right? But y- you, you need an explanation. We, we, the, the human heart wants some explanation for why bad things happen. And I would argue there's at least three uh, ways you can talk about why bad things happen. The, the first is uh, an answer that, that says God is not a reality. And so what you say is, and a lot of people in our culture hold this, well, this is just the world that there is. Uh, you are a collection of atoms, and so is your dog. And um, we came from who knows where, or maybe we think we know where we came from. And when you die, that's it. Um, you close your eyes in the sleep of death, and the world, it is over. And so you better make the most of it, and that's the reality. In fact, if there were a God, there would not be so much suffering in the world. So how can you claim that there is a good God if there is so much suffering in the world? Now, I, I question that. 
because um, again, I'm, a, I'm a, a, per, a skeptical person by nature. Um, when, you, when you say that, when you say that we're just a collection of atoms and when you die, you die, why does anything then have any meaning? Uh, for instance, if a young mom gets cancer and dies and leaves behind her kids, if we're just a collection of atoms, why does that even matter? Why, why is that wrong? Why is that evil? It's just something that happened. You have no basis on which to judge that. Or maybe, uh, you know, a few weeks ago when that man drove a truck down the, the street in Paris and killed all of those people, if we're just a collection of atoms and in the end, who are you to judge that that's what that guy decided to do with his material body? I mean, what, why is that evil? You have no reason to say that that's evil because it's just a collection of atoms. It's just what someone happened to choose. I would actually argue that the, the, the burden of proving that evil and suffering are an issue in the world is for someone who believes that. They have to say, well, why is there evil? On what grounds do you say it's bad? How do you say that? Now, you can, either, so you can say that. You can say, well, it's just we're a collection of atoms, and that's why bad things happen. That's just it. Now, you can have a religious version of that, and um, some people grew up with this, and, and the, it goes like this. You say, well, the reason bad things happen to people and people get sick is that God wills it. Now, the reality is, is that God is in charge of the world, and he made the world, and so we say, okay, if that's the case, then why is this bad stuff happening? Well, it must be because God allows it or permits it or decides that it's the, the best thing to happen. Now, that works out great when you get a, a better-paying job. You're like, oh, God's in control of everything. Hallelujah, I believe. You know, it, it, right, you like that. But when a little child gets cancer, did God send that? Uh, when, when some, does God send someone cancer to build their character? Is that why? Well, I think uh, it'll be character building for her, so I'll give her cancer. Uh, that, here's how Jesus said it. He said, you know, if you, those of you who are evil, he's describing you and me. He says, if those of you are evil, if you're a father and your son comes to you and asks you for bread, who, who of you would give him a stone? He said, no, none of you would. He said, of course, your heavenly father is so much better than that. If, if, God is the per- if God wills that a little child gets cancer, then isn't, isn't God a monster? <laughs> I don't think I want to follow a God like that. The other option, though, and this is what, eight years ago, I made this shift. I went, oh, this, this seems to make sense of, of what I read in the scriptures and what I see in life. And that it's what one of my friends calls, we live in a contested world. There's a battle going on. That God created the world, yes, and God... Uh, but God, out of love, decided he would rather us choose to love him than force us. If, if, I, if I dated my wife, and, and when we were dating my wife, I took a gun to her and said, you're going to marry me and you're going to like it. <laughs> Is that freely chosen love? No, it's not. But if I win her over and she chooses to love me, that's, that's how we understand how God made the world. He chose, And sometimes people take those choices and they do terrible things with them. But God, out of love, wants to create that. So, he, so there is then entered into this another, another character in the drama. God, in the end, is going to make it all right. But there's another character in the drama. And so there are these powers that are at work in our bodies and in our minds and in our emotions. I, I don't know if you, the whole racial thing that's happening in our culture, that's uh, a tragedy. It, it's one thing for you personally to say, well, I don't see color, and I'm not going to treat people as color. It's another thing to talk about this thing that seems to be underneath the surface that seems to rear its head, even though there are people like, I'm not racist, I don't see it that way. There's this, like, power at work, almost like feeding it. I don't, it just seems like there's more than just my personal individual choice. Or if you've ever dealt with someone who's an addict, 
you, you know that it's more than, if, well, if that person chose to use this substance and now uh, if they would just unchoose, everything would be fine. It's never that simple. There's like, there's like tentacles of something that have a grip on this person. And they can't, they don't understand why they do it. There's powers at work. In, in fact, Paul, writing in the, in later in the New Testament, in the, he wrote to some Christians in Ephesus in Turkey in the book of Ephesians, and he says at the end of his letter, he says, listen, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. In, in other words, your wrestle's not ever with another human being. He says, what we wrestle with are powers and principalities and spiritual forces and dark places. He says, this is a contested world. That's why bad things happen. Jesus even said the same thing. He said, the, the thief, the devil, Satan, and his whole legion of evil angels, they, they only come to kill, steal, and destroy. That's all they come to. This is a contested world. There's issue. there's things going on, there's power. Well, that helps me make sense. Okay, well, I understand now why suffering happens. There's power. And, and my body and my mind and my emotions are the battleground, and your body and your mind and your emotions, that's the battleground that the, the contest is fought on. Now, you also have to stand if you're gonna have a, uh, understand if you're going to have a framework for making sense of the, super, of the supernatural. You have to understand the experience of Jesus, that this is what Jesus taught. If you were here when we talked about the, uh, Matthew 5 through 7, and we talked about the Lord's Prayer. Do you know the Lord's Prayer, how it goes? How Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What is, what's the next phrase? Your kingdom come on earth as it is where? In heaven, right? So he says, make it down here like it is up there. In heaven, there are no dads who get cancer and die and leave behind their four kids. In heaven, there's no one whose lungs stop working and they can't breathe and you have to carry around an oxygen tank. You don't ever see that in heaven. In heaven, no ch- little children get, get cancer. In heaven, no one has a bulging disc in their back that causes them to be unable to work. That doesn't happen in heaven. So Jesus says, when we pray, what we need to pray is that God, that the kingdom, that heaven would come to earth. That's what Jesus is praying. He says, so healing is the supernatural result of praying the Lord's prayer. It's like the logical conclusion. Now, it's not only what Jesus taught. He taught us about healing, but it's actually what he did. And uh, if it's normal for Jesus to do that, and you and I follow Jesus, then it needs to become normal in some way. We have to figure out how do we do that too. Um, and you know, if you say, well, that, I mean, I just don't think that happens. I just don't, I just don't believe that. I don't, and I, but you say you believe you follow Jesus. Well, what do you do with the majority of Jesus' ministry, which was healing and casting out demons? What do you do with that? Uh, one, of our, one of my friends is named Paul McConaughey. Paul pastored a church in England, and now he lives in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And a number of weeks ago, uh, he came and did a thing for some of our leaders about this whole subject of the supernatural. We'll make it available to you, and you can get access to it if you want it. It's really good. But he, he told a story of, of how he grew up um, about the supernatural and what he thought, and it was just mirrored how I grew up, and so it made, just made so much sense to me. He said when he grew up, a missionary would come to his church, just kind of like Dr. Scott Dooley came a couple weeks ago, and would tell these amazing stories about how in another part of the world that there was someone who was sick, and this person was supernaturally healed, or someone seemed to be possessed by some sort of evil force, and they were released from that force, and, and you would sit there and go, wow, that's amazing. People who follow Jesus do that in other countries. It's amazing. So, but then you would sit there and someone in your own church would say, yeah, and I was supernatural healed. And you would look at them and go, they're a freak. What's wrong with them? <laughs> what? That doesn't happen. So what, Paul, what my friend Paul said, he said, listen, he said, uh, you have to understand, what if now we're the missionaries and going across our backyard is the mission field? And it's the missionaries, not people who do it way in Papua New Guinea. It's your backyard. 
And what if one of the tools of a missionary, a person who takes the message of Jesus, that's you and, that's you and, our, uh, and I's job as followers of Jesus, what if one of those tools is healing? Now, what does the Bible say about this? This is this story, Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Let me read it to you. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, his hometown, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Now, a centurion was someone who commanded 100 men, would have been the equivalent of a, a captain in the army, or, or maybe better, he was a commander of a unit. Uh, you, were, you were chosen as a centurion because you were a model soldier. You had discipline, you had skill, you had strength. When you walked into the room, when a centurion walked into the room, all the guys in the room went, there is a man right there, that guy right there. And when you walked into the room and you were a centurion, you had that kind of bearing and you had that kind of stature, you actually had something to lose by publicly going to some kind of weird itinerant preacher, healer who shows up and saying, hey, I don't know what to do. Can you help me? It's an admission of weakness. And he says, my servant is at home. Now, in his day, the servant would have been like a son to him because the, the mili- in the military, you weren't allowed to have your family with you. And so he would have built a household around him and his servant would have been a young, a young boy that he'd basically raised and been in his household and it would have been so you think like a dad what he would say about his son this is what this guy's feeling and so jesus says what you you and i would love to hear when we bring our biggest problem to jesus jesus says verse seven shall i come and heal him and notice what the centurion says verse eight the centurion replied lord i do not deserve to have you come under my roof but just say the word and my servant will be healed he felt the distance that that i feel and that i hope you feel the distance between my character and jesus character he felt unworthy, and he said, now, now, he says this very interesting thing, verse 9, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Here's what he's saying. Jesus, I know how authority works. Jesus, back in Rome, there's this guy named Caesar, and Caesar is over everything, and when Caesar speaks, it happens. When he says, do this, people do it. They jump. When, they, when Caesar says jump, people say, how high? And every, when he just uses his words, Jesus, and things happen, things move, and I know that he has delegated some of his authority to me so that when I speak, things happen. I use my words, and things change in the physical environment around me. And Jesus, I know because that's how authority works. I know that you are the king. You are over everything. And if you just say the word, because I know how authority works, Jesus, my servant will be healed. Now, Jesus says something really interesting. This is one of the only places in the Gospels that Jesus says something like this. Jesus is, is, what Matthew says, is amazed, dumbfounded, shocked, blown away. And Jesus says, listen, I have not, I'll read it to you. Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. In other words, he says to all the Jewish religious people, he says, listen, religious people who grew up in church, going to Sunday school, reading the Bible, none of you get how faith works more than this guy who's not religious at all. This is the greatest faith I think I have ever seen because this man understands how authority works. There's a king, and the king transfers his authority to you, and you, are, you as a delegate of his authority, you speak, and things happen. Now, he was astonished by this. Now, he goes on then in verse 11 uh, and 13 and through 13 and he, he basically says listen this outsider gets it you see outsider you, you don't have to have religious information to be okay with god he says this outsider gets it and the insiders the people who grew up in all this stuff who say they have faith they don't understand what they've got they don't know how to use what they've got 
And they're going to be left out because they don't really want to do what I say. And this guy, he just stumbles in, this outsider. And so Jesus says, just like that, when Tim prayed that prayer, he said, go, your servant has been healed. And when he went home, he was healed. Now, what in the world do we do with this? What do we do with this story? How do we, how do we translate this into something real if we're going to follow Jesus? I, I'd suggest to you a couple things. One is this, and we're going to do this for you in a moment if you'd like is that if you follow Jesus, that you need to be involved in praying for people to be healed with God's authority on a regular basis. So people come to me, and uh, they will ask, and I'm just using myself as an example, and I'll, you, you can do the same thing, and they'll say, you know, I, they think I've got some mojo because I'm a pastor, and like, you got the direct line to the big guy. I'm like, no, I'm just a guy like you. And, and they'll come and they'll pray. And I used to pray this. This is what I used to pray. And when I, before I believed this was a reality for me and that I could pray this way and I had this kind of authority, I would pray, okay, well, God, uh, <clears throat> we pray that your will would be done. And if it's your will for this person to not have cancer, then we pray that your will would be done. And it was my out. See, remember, that's not how Jesus taught us to pray. Jesus said, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Bring heaven to earth. In heaven, no one has cancer. So it's always God's will that someone be well. So we have, to, we have to be involved in praying for people to be healed with God's authority. And Jesus just spoke to sicknesses and they would leave. Now you, you, are, you are asking the question that I ask at this point, which is, but I know people who've been prayed for and they weren't healed. What are you trying to say? I mean, is it some kind of magic potion thing? What's, what's the deal? How does this work? Well, when we pray, because we know this is a battle and that our bodies and our minds and our emotions are the battleground, we know that prayer is a, is a weapon in the battle. And so we know that in a battle, you don't always win every battle. You, you want to win the war, but you're not going to win every battle, right? Even Jesus didn't heal some people. Even Jesus said, I, I couldn't heal there. I wanted to heal, but I couldn't because of their faith. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So we, we, we've been learning uh, to pray this way. We pray until one of three things have. Someone comes to me and they want to be prayed for healing, and I tell them this. I say, listen, I'll pray until one of three things is true. Either you're healed, you die, and you're with Jesus, and that's complete healing, or Jesus comes back. I'll just keep praying until one of those three things happen. Because in a battle, sometimes someone dies. Uh, do you know how it is, if you, maybe you've read about this or seen this, when, when a coffin of a soldier who's been killed overseas somewhere comes home and and maybe you've seen the pictures of how everyone will on the tarmac will stand at attention while this flag draped coffin and this hero who died in the battle is welcome home any of you been around you heard me tell the story my mom died when i was 16 she was 52 years old she had cancer everyone around the world literally was praying for her she was the young she was the fourth of six kids and her youngest sister um, my aunt came to me and she said, I, I don't understand, Scott. I, I don't understand why this happened to your mom. Your mom was loved God with all of her heart from a young age. She did everything right. Uh, and here the rest of us lived these crazy lives where we made messes of our lives. I don't understand why your mom got cancer. I don't understand. I don't get it. But what I know is that my mom lost the battle, but she's part of, the, she's part of what God is doing and she and participates in winning the war. And so I know my mom got the hero's welcome. See, some, some of the bad messages that get sent are, well, if you had enough faith, then the problem is you don't have enough faith. No, it has nothing to do with your faith. This has nothing to do with your ability or what you can work up. It's the gift of God because God wants to heal. 
has nothing to do with it. If you lost someone and they were fighting the fight, listen, they received a hero's welcome. They received a hero's welcome when they came home. Now, we're going um, to pray, and Tim's going to come up, and we're just going to sing a song, and uh, there'll be some people down here, and they're going to come up right now. And if you would like someone to pray for you, they have no magic mojo. There's, there's nothing like that. They're just going to, with Jesus' authority, pray for whatever your issue is, very simply, very shortly, that God would bring healing. And I know some of you are facing some horrible things. And if, if God does not intervene, you will not make it. We're just going to ask that God would bring heaven to earth and that heaven would come to your body and invade your body and make you well. And if you don't want to come down and pray, that's okay. You can just sit there while people are praying and pray for them or ask God, you know, what, what, do, you, what do I need to do about all this? But we want you to experience the healing of God's kingdom. So let me, let me pray and then we'll sing and then you can come and ask for prayer if you'd like. God, we, we pray. Again, we don't have to beg you. You're a good dad. We're the kind of people, uh, we give the wrong thing because we don't see the whole picture. You see the whole picture. Lord, I know it's your will. I know that you want heaven to come and touch someone's body today. And so I ask you to do that in your power. I pray that this, this would again, would be, we'd feel, we'd sense the open heaven that you have for us and then we'd feel and experience your healing today. So we come expecting that. Pray in your name.